Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, he is back, Princeton senior, Matthew Marquardt. Hey, Coleman. How's it going today? So you have finished your ride across America. You biking. You were biking for St. Jude, raising money for cancer research. You biked across the entire country. Uh, it took you, you. It was charted to take what twenty three days, and I think you finished three days early. Yes, exactly. Um, so, dude, I mean, tell me about it. How's how's it feel? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels really, really good. Um, I think there. Uh, it's like similar to a, a really long, successful swim meet almost in that the day that you finish, you feel really, really good. Um, you, your body might be a little tired, but energy levels are good. And then like the next two to three days, you just get like more and more tired and then you kind of start coming back up again. So that's kind of where I am now. Um, energy's coming back and body's starting to feel good again. But yeah, it was incredible. It was 2,479 miles in 20 days, including a rest day. And so it was like way faster than what I ever expected. Um, and went really, really well overall. Um, was really super fortunate to have really good weather. Most days were sunny. It was cold, but, um, the sun kind of helped a lot. Um, kind of the big, the crazy day was I biked through that wild snowstorm, uh, in college station, Texas. Um, so that was, uh, one of the, uh, the more challenging parts of the trip. Um, but it was also, I guess, a, a unique memory, which is kind of one of the things I was going for. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. Let me get this straight. You, if I'm doing the math right, you averaged well over 150 miles a day. Yeah. So the, the, so I took a rest day at day 12. Um, which okay. happened to be the day that it snowed in College Station. So I got to College Station. We knew that it was going to snow the next day. So I decided to take a rest day. My body was pretty broken down at that point. Um, took the rest day. It snowed. And we were hoping that the snow was going to be gone uh, the next morning. And it wasn't. And so I had to kind of wait. And the next day, I only got about 80 miles in because the conditions were just really bad. There was still snow on the shoulder of the road where I was biking and it was cold and I had a headwind. And after that day, I only got 80 miles. The next day I did 140 to kind of balance it out a little bit. And then I don't know, I just got on a rhythm and kind of didn't look back after that point and did 145. I think I averaged 150 or 155 miles for the last week of the ride, um, which is just like mind boggling to me. Um, one day I did 166 miles, um, because it was just feeling really good, I guess. And, um, but yeah, the, the beginning of the trip, I was like 130 mile per day average. And then the second half of the trip, I was like 155 mile, uh, per day average. Okay. Dang. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, like you said, the snowstorm in college station was, it was a challenge. What, I mean, tell me about the second half, I guess, first, just physically, 
Um, how did you get through it? We talked about on day seven or eight, I think. Um, so, you know, those last 13 days, um, physically did it, did it start to build on itself, especially after that rest day? Yeah. Um, so kind of after we had talked, I think I had one or two more, what I would call climbing days, which were days that I was going through the mountains or, or whatever. I ended up topping out at just under 6,000 feet of elevation, um, went through Guadalupe National, uh, Guadalupe Mountains National Park, which was really cool, um, but really challenging. I think we had talked about that the last one. And then from that point on, it was pretty much like me against the winds. And so that was mentally really challenging the days that I had headwinds because you'd be putting in this really strong effort and you just felt like you're going nowhere. It'd be like swimming, it was like, if you were swimming through molasses, that's kind of what it felt like where you're just putting in all this effort and you're just making no progress. Um, so that was, uh, that was pretty challenging, but beyond that, it was, um, it got flatter. So that kind of made it a little bit easier on my body. And, and then really the last like four to five days, I think I kind of took the drain the tank approach, um, where I definitely, <laughs> I definitely knew I could feel my body was starting to break down and, um, was getting kind of progressively more tired. Actually, the last couple of days I was so sore that I was struggling to sleep a little bit, which was an interesting uh, consequence that I'd never expected, but, um, was just like, you know, what, the more, the more that I push now, the, like the sooner that I'll be, the sooner I'll be done. And so kind of went for, you know what, I'll do 140, 150 miles for a couple of days and then I'll be done. Then I'll shave a day or two off um, at the end. So by the end of the trip um, was definitely like uh, mentally very tired. My body physically held up a lot better than I was really kind of ever expecting. Like I can walk just fine <laughs> for the most part and um, wasn't, wasn't like totally broken down. It was more that I was just really fatigued. And so that was a pretty interesting experience to have, I guess, generally. Yeah. I mean, being so sore that you can't sleep, I've, I've definitely never heard of that one, but that, I mean, that sounds really interesting. And that kind of ties into my next question of just mentally, emotionally, where you were at those last 10 days. Yeah. Um, so I would probably say the four or five days after we talked, were mentally some of the more challenging days because those were the days that I went through the snowstorm. Those were the days that um, I had a lot of headwinds going through Texas, um, mm -hmm. which was, as I said, really challenging because you just felt like you were going nowhere. Um, and so that was kind of frustrating um, as well as just really exhausting. Um, and, but once I really, once I got out of Texas, um, things like mentally, I was feeling really pretty good. Um, the roads were great, which was one of the things that I never thought would kind of influence my mood. But when I had a nice road that was smooth, I was definitely a lot happier than when I was going on a bumpy road or um, kind of more of a dangerous road. So um, really, the last kind of four or five days, I was mentally in, in pretty good spirits overall, I'd say. Wow, that's hard to believe. but <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so how long has it been now since you finished? Uh, three days. So I finished, I finished Monday at noon. Monday was 
uh, an easy day finished with just 50 miles, which is like wild to say I finished with only 50 miles. Like I can't believe that I'm saying that, but um, finished around noon that day and then was able to enjoy the rest of the day on the beach and then drove home on Tuesday. And where's home? Ohio. You drove for, okay. How long was the drive from Florida to Ohio? Uh, 12 hours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so sp- spend 20 days on a bike and then one whole day in a car. Yep. Yep. Hey, but you know what? It's better than the other way. Um, if we had gone Florida to California, it would have been three days in the car. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> um, wow. All right. And so you finish a ride like that. And I mean, does, do you feel like you've gained perspective on things? You know, I mean, what, what are your takeaways now that you've had a few days to sit with it? Yeah. Um, I will admit I'm still processing a lot of it. Um, because even though it was 20 days in many ways, it felt like it went through in a blink of an eye. Um, but I think the, the kind of the two, uh, major lessons I took from the trip, I think one is just being grateful for everything that you have. Um, and you know, it's the simple things. It's like the sunny day or being healthy. Um, just kind of the simple things in life, really being grateful for them and doing your best not to take them for granted and granted. And then the other one is, um, I guess I, life is a lot about interpretation, I guess. Um, so I think the example that stood out to me is that as I was biking, um, sometimes I'd get, you know, a honk or, uh, you know, from a car or whatever. And you could either interpret that as, uh, like a supportive honk, um, or you could interpret it as an angry honk. Like it's, I don't know exactly what the person in the car intended, but how I interpret that can have a pretty big influence on my mood. Like if it's an angry, if I say, oh, this guy's pissed off at me, then that's going to make me feel kind of in a negative light for a while. Or if I say, oh, this guy's supporting me and, you know, rooting me on, that can be a real positive. And so, and I think that can be applied for a lot of things in life is just, uh, you know, interpret things, make sure that you interpret things, I guess, in the way that will benefit you, um, especially if you're going through like a challenging uh, spot because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that makes total sense. I mean, just just hearing about cars honking at you get like makes me a little angry and then <laughs> that I have to realize, okay, yeah, that's uh you can interpret it and and you can kind of decide how how that goes for you. Um which I think, you know, is is a lesson that you can apply pretty much anywhere in your life. Um I have to ask about, we talked about your diet last time. Did, did food things change at all during the trip? Um, I would say I probably started eating more as the trip went on. Um, I think just, I was putting in more mileage. So that was one thing. Um, but I also feel like as my body started breaking down, I wasn't absorbing the energy as well. And so that kind of led me to eat more. Mm. Um, but I guess I was, I was pretty lucky in that I didn't really get sick of the food that I was eating <laughs> for the most part. Um, I definitely, I guess one change is that as time went on, I definitely developed more and more of a sweet tooth. I'd have cravings for 
uh, cookies and cake and stuff like that, which I would give myself, um, you know, that little treat every now and again, I'd use that as a motivating factor, um, to get through the day or whatever. Um, but overall the diet actually stayed pretty similar, which I was really surprised by because I was definitely expecting, uh, myself to get tired of the food that I was eating by the end of the trip. But thankfully, uh, that didn't happen. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that, like you said, it was kind of fairly bland and, you know, just kind of simple stuff. Um, but that, that's, that seems good that you were able to maintain on that. Um, and, but it was certainly a lot. <laughs> I can't imagine eating more, like putting, tacking on more. Um, did how you got through the day, you know, whether mentally did that change as the mileage got more and more the, on the latter half of the ride? Um, actually I would say it got easier, um, overall because I just kind of, you just kind of became used to being on the bike for, for a while. Um, and so I, I would say overall it became easier. Um, especially, um, I think it became a little bit more challenging when it became flatter actually from a mental perspective, just because you didn't have, when you're going through the mountains, you know, you're climbing for a mile or two miles and you're descending and then you may have a little flat. And so there's just a lot more variability. Whereas once you got to swampland, it was kind of more just flat across the whole way. And so that was a little bit more challenging. Um, very similar as what I said last time, it was a lot of just uh, trying to um, trying to forget about time, I guess is what I would say, trying to let, not trying to like have the time pass, but try to lose track of time. And so, you know, there are different things that I did um, uh, along the way from just counting, um, counting up and down. It was kind of what I would do when I really needed to grind or just in, or just enjoying the scenery um, as much as I could. So, yeah. And so, sorry, I was, I was looking at a map of the U S over here. So after Texas, was it miss Was it Louisiana, Mississippi? Did you hit Alabama at all? Or was it basically to Florida? Yeah. So um, once I got out of Texas, I pretty much hugged the coastline for the rest of the trip. Mm. Um, so I went through Baton Rouge. I, I went through uh, Mobile, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida, then Tallahassee, and then straight across to Jacksonville. And um, yeah, it was it was really cool to be in those parts of the country. I'd never been there before. I think one of my favorite stretches of the road was by Gulfport, Mississippi, because um, it was about a 30 mile stretch of road where the road was right next to the beach. And so I just had this awesome scenery the whole time of uh, you know, the ocean on one side and then these beautiful houses on the other. Um, and so that was probably one of my more favorite sections of the road from the trip. It sounds super nice. I rem a few years back, I drove from Knoxville, Tennessee, and then kind of like looped around and did, um, like Georgia, Alabama, and then drove through Mississippi and Louisiana to get back to Austin in Texas. And, um, I remember driving through Mississippi. I'd never been there before. Uh, didn't really know what to expect, but it was surprisingly pretty 
Um, and mm-hmm. I wasn't near the coast, but I think there was a lake that I drove past and there was like just all this nature and it's like, wow, this is really nice. Um, and it's really, I think, especially when you're traveling, when you're on the road for a long time, whether in car or bike, you know, you, you, you pass through those stretches where it's just like, you don't really know what to expect. And, uh, it, it, there ends up being some really nice things if you can, if you can take the time to see them and appreciate them. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the, the things that was also kind of challenging is I would have these stretches of road that were just so pretty. And I just wanted to like capture them and <laughs> make them last forever. But you know, you, you can't, you got to keep moving along or, or, you know, the sunsets or whatever. And, and then, then it's gone. But, um, but yeah, there were definitely a lot of stretches that were just so pretty that I was like, man, I hope that I remember these uh, for a long time because they were just so pretty. Did you, did you ever ride into the night after sunset? I tried? Yeah, I did. I did not. Um, sometimes okay. I would ride right up until sunset, um, but it just becomes more dangerous um, when you're on the roads that I was on um, to be biking at night. And also the temperature drops a lot. So in an ideal day, I would try to stop riding within about 45 minutes of sunset, just because 45 minutes to an hour before sunset, the temperature really starts to drop. Um, And at that point I had shed off kind of my warmer layers. And so it was just kind of like a naturally a good time to stop. But sometimes I rode right up until sunset if I wanted to really push the mileage that day. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes total sense. That seems unnecessarily uh, dangerous to ride after sunset um, and unnecessarily cold. Um, and so then <clears throat> once you would stop riding for the day, how, how would you spend your time? Yeah. Um, well, generally I was too tired to do most things. Um, it would <laughs> pretty much be, uh, so if some days I rode to the hotel, so I stopped at the hotel, which was nice. Um, other days had to get in the car and then drive to the hotel. Um, so once I got to the hotel, it was generally, I would put on the Normatec, uh, compression leggings, um, which would help, you know, massage out my legs and I would do that for 45 minutes. Uh, and then generally would kind of eat dinner at that same time and then, you know, take a shower and stretch. And, um, generally I was pretty, by 8.30 at night, I would generally finish riding around six o'clock. And by 8.30, I was like ready to pass out. Um, I'd be so tired. And um, some of the things I would have to kind of, depending on the day, I might have to work on the route for the next day or the next two days, which took a surprising amount of time. Um, Google and Garmin are great, but um, you really have to like, hold their hand almost as they create the route for you because they'll take you down some pretty walky roads if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one day um, through, through Texas uh, it it took me down 10 miles of gravel roads, which I, I was afraid was going to happen. It only happened once, but I guess I'd gotten a little lazy and didn't do Google street view on that exact road. And yeah, it was like gravel road for 10 miles and um, was really stressful because my bike is not really designed for bumpy and gravel roads. Um, it's a, a road bike. And so I was really afraid that it was going to break and that things were going to be 
you know, uh, that that was going to be a big setback, but somehow again, luckily I got through it. Um, but yeah, planning, planning the route was a lot more time intensive than I ever expected. So sometimes it would take like an hour to figure out the route for the next day. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's having to Google, uh, (laughs) street view every, every single mile you go through sounds very tedious and like very time consuming, like you said. Um, geez. And so, okay. So you, I mean, not much once you, once you're out for the day. Um, and so the, again, now, now you've done it, uh, you're still taking donations. Tell me, tell me about the donation process where people can donate. Um, you've got Instagram and Facebook at bike for St. Jude up behind you. Um, but again, tell us about the bigger purpose of this ride. Right. Yeah. So the bigger purpose of this ride uh, was to raise money for St. Jude Children's uh, Research Hospital, which is a cancer specialty hospital for children. Um, And the reason why I picked the hospital is because they provide all of their care for free, which is one of the very rare places in the U.S. that does this. And it's really, really special that a child can get can can get top notch uh, cancer treatment. Um, without having to pay a dime because cancer is a very expensive disease and can set families back for years in terms of financial bills and stuff. And so raising money for St. Jude, um, we're, as of this morning, we were at $10,680, um, which is a little under halfway to our goal of $23,000. Um, I'll, we'll be taking donations until January 31st, um, at which point the fundraiser will end. So hopefully uh, we'll get there um, kind of calling on all, all the listeners to, you know, see if you can, uh, you know, spare $20, $30, whatever you can spare um, will add up. Um, we've gotten a lot of really great support from people that uh, I don't know, um, which has been one of my favorite things. I, I get an email for every single donation that comes in and have seen a lot of names that I, I don't recognize, um, which really kind of motivated me throughout the rest of the ride and um, really kind of, I feel is really special um, when, when people that may not necessarily know me are, are willing to donate. So please, um, if you've got $20, $50, $100 to spare, please consider donating. Um, Coleman will uh, attach a link um, on the page for this uh, to, to donate. Um, but if you, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's for a good cause. You, you, you want to donate if you're listening out there. Uh, I mean, you know, Matthew, like you said, 20, almost 2,500 miles. He rode on bicycle across the country, uh, raising money f- to help kids with cancer. Um, so link the, the link is, will be in the bio below. Um, if you can please donate and, and help Matthew out to, to six, to fulfill, the financial side of this goal. Um, I mean, I got to ask, you know, what, what's next, man? How do you top this? Yeah, I'm not, I guess. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, right now I'm not too concerned about that, I guess. Um, Princeton is, uh, I'm just really trying to enjoy, um, kind of the last 20 days and let those last as long as I can in my mind before I really set on something else. Um, 
I, it is my senior spring at Princeton. So I will be heading back to campus, uh, in on Saturday. So in three days, two days, I'll be heading back to campus for my final, uh, semester, uh, which is exciting overall because we didn't, we weren't able to go on campus at all in this, in the fall. And so to have my senior spring is really special. Um, and I'm, and I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, looking forward to getting back in the pool, actually, um, even though we didn't have a season, I'm still going to train. And I think, you know, in terms of a next thing, it will most likely be um, triathlons of some sort. And so um, we'll get back in the pool and train for that and m might even uh, do a couple races because I definitely really miss competition. Um, this, this trip has been a great way to fulfill that a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of get the competitive, the performance edge back, I guess, if you will. But um, I, I'm still yearning for a little bit more competition before I really um, hang up the towel. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, just like you said, getting back on campus after a semester away, I'm sure that'll be nice for everyone. I know. I know everyone's kind of missed their routines and their normal socialization. And it's, it's been a, it's been a hard fall hard year for most. Um, but I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense getting back to what, you know, getting back in the pool. Um, will you graduate in May? Yeah, I will. I'll graduate in May. And then the next stop after that is medical school. So that's the, that's the next exciting thing, um, that I'll be starting medical school in the fall. Nice. Well, Matthew, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on again. Congratulations on finishing a very monumental <laughs> accomplishment. Um, any parting thoughts before we sign off today? I think, you know, the, the last thing I want to say is I just want to say like, thank yous to like you for having me on. It's been great to, to, to talk with you twice and really appreciate um, you helping me get the word out and, and then really just thank uh, thank you to all the people that have supported me through donating or through texting me or um, my teammates and, and my coaches have been really, really phenomenal, um, kind of giving me little little bits of encouragement along the way. So really, really appreciate that. It was definitely a team effort um, with everyone involved. So um, thank you so much to, to everyone that's helped me out along the way. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.